Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 640 for May 30th, 2020. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz with Programming by Stealth, episode or installment, I think we call it, 97 of X. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing fine, but I feel like I am melting. Um, There's a strange yellow thing in the sky, and it's got a funny blue color. And the temperature widget on my watch has gone this strange orangey red color <laughs> things you never see well i know this yeah. is supposed to be an evergreen podcast but today the united states uh, managed to launch a commercial rocket carrying humans to the space station so we're having kind of a fun nerd off day today right absolutely um yeah no it's it, it's so nice to have a shared achievement and good news and happy yeah yeah, it's nice. It's that it's just kind nice. of time. So, well, it's yeah. been uh, it's been a couple of weeks, been uh, four weeks since we've talked about generic things, not a solution. So, um, looks like we've got a lot to talk about here. Yeah, so we're we're getting close to finishing up our third attempt through learning object oriented programming. <laughs> um, so at this stage, we've arrived where we have this concept of classes being a way of describing an abstract idea. And then instances of those classes describing a concrete manifestation of that idea. So we had a class to represent imaginary currencies. And then we used that class to make Monopoly money and Hooniakers and squids and Quatloos and various other imagined currencies. And so we have this idea of, um, you know, an, an abstract which is used to make concrete. And each of the objects built by a class is we call it an instance and those instances encapsulate both data and the functions related to that data into that single encapsulated object is that all ringing bells absolutely that is cemented penny dropped stuck into concrete excellent and then with our javascript hats on uh we we learned that uh we we build our instances using constructor functions and that we use the class keyword, obviously, to build our classes. Um, and so inside our class, we have our constructor and then we can define as many instance functions as we like. And so we define the functions and they'll get encapsulated into every copy stamped out. And then we learned last time that we can make our data attributes very clever by using getters and setters to build our data attributes. So that one is, data attribute. That part is not in cement. That part is... Well, let me have a go. You've said it. <laughs> well, let me have a go. Okay. So from the outside looking in, it looks like a data attribute. So name of instance dot name of piece of data. So it could have been uh, circle dot, you know, my circle dot radius. Last time we were using circles as an example. Mm -hmm. So we could say my circle equals new circle. And then we could say, you know, console.log my circle dot radius. Yeah. Oh, that part's done. I mean, the getter setter stuff. Right. So the getters and setters allow us to create, to store, and to fetch um, values for that, what looks to the outside like a simple data attribute. So the getter is used to fetch the data and return it. So it's a function that returns what will appear to be the value of that piece of data. Mm -hmm. And the setter is a function which 
from the point of view of the class takes one argument, and from the point of view of the user, you would say my circle dot radius becomes equal to four. Okay, so with the with the getter, you're you're go- you could just ask an instance what is the radius, but with a setter, you could change the radius. Yes. Okay. And so to the outside, the person doesn't see that it's anything but a normal variable. So the user of your class sees a normal variable, but under the hood, it's a pair of functions cooperating to receive and send the value. Okay. I think the explanation I think the explanation makes is almost more complicated than the concept. Like conceptually, usually that's the case with with OO. <laughs> it's hard to say and easy to do. Like I said, you're you're just asking it what's your radius, and you're saying could you change your radius to this? But the words around that take four paragraphs. Yep. Okay. And the reason you want to do it in functions is because that allows you to protect the value. So you're actually saving it inside a little private variable, which you've named with an underscore, which we've all agreed means that we pretend it's invisible. And the reason you wrap it in these getters and setters is so that you can provide some A, intelligence, and B, data validation between the person outside of your class and the inside of your class. So uh, if, you, if you, your circle last time contained, an, contained one piece of data, one real piece of data, which was the radius, and we saved that in a private variable we called underscore radius, yes? Yeah, but I wanted to ask a question about that. Okay. The um, the purpose for private variables, I thought, was because we didn't want the user of our class to ever mess with it. And I would think that the radius would be something you would mess with. I mean, no, we don't want them to mess with it without going through us. We're, 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 we want to be the bouncers. Who's we? The class? The class, right? So the getter sits between the user and the private variable and acts as a gateway. So if the if the user of the class tries to set the radius to four, we say four, is that a sane radius? Yes, it is, let it through. If the user tries to set the radius to boogers, we throw an exception. If the user tries to set the radius to minus one, we scratch our heads and go, what on earth sort of a twisted universe are you in? And then we throw an exception. So it would... St- and I maybe I should ask this the last time because I'm going to slow us down. But if I don't get this concreted, I'm not going to make it through this one. Um, mm-hmm. If if I'm creating a, a clock and I say I want the background of this, uh, I make a data attribute for the color of the background to be blue mm-hmm. or to, mm-hmm. a color of the background. And I say in this instance, I want it to be blue. In that instance, I want it to be red. Um mm-hmm. How is that any different than I want the the radius of this circle to be four and that circle to be the other instance to be three? Why would that be that particular thing be a private variable? Uh, well, I would say you make all of your variables private and you only expose them through getters and setters is what we is what I said last time, and I stand by mm-hmm. that because you want to the purpose of using getters and setters is that you can filter the value. You don't allow the user to just write a value. you want to validate the value first. Wow, I missed that memo. So all, so we're not going to have any regular data attributes, none at all. Nope. The, the so in our documentation, because you said that the that the the private ones would not be documented. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to have no data attributes that the that the user no, no, of our the class can setters, see. The getters and setters make public attributes. So from the outside, they look like normal attributes. They just have they they are implemented on on the inside by getters and setters, but the outside sees dot radius. 
So the user of your of your class sees a normal data attribute, but you have used a private variable behind the scenes and the getters and setters as gatekeepers. So I, I guess I really didn't understand, Bart. I thought that we only had to do these once in a while. I didn't realize that we had to do them all the time. I thought it was going to be mostly regular uh, data attributes. And once in a while, you made the private ones. You're saying we're doing all private. Well, so yes and no. How's that for an answer? <laughs> okay. So from the point of view of the user of your class, all they will ever see is the public-facing ones, right? So dot radius in the case of our circle example. But we want to we, we want a bouncer on the door. Basically, we need a security guard to stop people writing arbitrary values into our data attributes because we value the integrity of our data. Okay. And so the way we implement that firewalling, bouncer at the door, whatever analogy makes sense to, to you, is that the getters and setters, so we really store it in the private variable, and the getters and setters provide access to that private variable. So the person outside sees the public dot radius, but we know that inside it's dot underscore radius. Does that make any sense? I guess. Yeah, yeah. No practice. You know what I mean. I, I, yeah. I, I'm hearing the words, and I remember vaguely we talked about a circle. So I did try to go back and reread that before we got started, but it did, like I said, not not cemented. Okay, I'll put it to you this way. So one concept. So what the thing we're trying to achieve is the for every one real attribute, there's three pieces: a private variable, a getter, and a setter, and those three together in unison, make one thing. Oh, okay. okay. So three leaves in a clover. Think of it that way. Okay. Or if you're St. Patrick, a shamrock. <laughs> okay. That was his explanation of the Blessed Trinity, um, was the shamrock, hence the shamrocks on St. Patrick's Day. So those three together create the thing the user of our class sees, which is radius. So the user just sees radius, but we know that it's a private variable, a getter, and a setter. Okay, okay. That helps. So they, yeah. So they come in triplicate. Basically. Couldn't write one if you held a gun to my head, but I understand it. What's there? Okay. Okay. Well, your world clock will hopefully have you doing some practice between now and four weeks from now. I hope so. <laughs> um. So up until this point in time, our classes we use our classes to make instances, and those instances encapsulate some data and some functions. And so those data and functions, I keep on saying, are instance data attributes and instance functions because they're, they're in the instance. And so every instance gets its own copy of those, right? Right. However, some, sometime, not sometimes, a lot of the time, there are things that are related to the concept your class represents but don't actually vary from instance to instance. They don't change. Yeah, yeah, I've from... got some of those in my in my clock. And it seems silly to Excellent. be recreating them. It's like, boy, this seems like a lot of extra work. Good, 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 good. Uh, because you're right, that is silly. And that, that we don't want to do that. And the example of that from, from the previous installment is that we added a property named pi to the instances of our circle. 
Now, why does every circle need its own copy of pi? Surely there is a copy of pi. So wouldn't it be better if we could attach that piece of data somewhere else? Yeah. And where would be the logical place to attach it? In the class, not in the instance. Bingo. So we can do that with both data attributes and functions. So they're related to the concept, but they don't change from instance to instance. Therefore, they belong with the class, and we can add them to the class using class data attributes and class functions. Okay. That's it. That's the entire lesson for today. There's okay. a little more to the detail, but that's that's the lesson for today. That makes really. sense. Um, because that's such a small thing to do, I thought I would use... Most of today is going to be a worked example. And I thought I might use that same worked example to also throw in a little bonus bit of help that I know is relevant to the challenge that these are all working on. Ah, good. So your challenge has a class representing the concept of a clock, and you're going to have instances of your clock. And there's bits of a web page that allow the user to interact with your clock. So you have a DOM object, and you have an instance of your world clock class that's also an object. And for them to work well together, you need to find a way of connecting those two things together. And that's a very common problem to have, where you have a class representing an idea, and that idea is made visible to the user through a part of a web page. Well, then you've got to connect one to the other. And that connection is what we're going to spend the, the, the last bit of the, this installment looking at. Okay. So every object-oriented language has this ability to connect data attributes and functions to the class rather than to instances of the class. And a lot of languages use the same keyword to achieve this, which is the keyword static. So a lot of Googling will show you references to static data attributes and static functions. That's synonymous with class. So a class data attribute is a static data attribute. A class function is a static function. They're just synonyms that some developers use. That's kind of a funny word to use. I get what they mean, but it's if a, a static data attribute isn't necessarily static, you can still change it. Yeah, I know. It's, I, I it's... have yet to find a. <laughs> I, I've yet to find a way to make it stick in my head as anything but. Well, that's weird. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, it makes sense that it's static, like it's 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 not changing class to class. So it's static. I'm sorry, it's not changing instance to instance. So it is static yeah, so to the class. Yeah. But yeah. It's not it, static. It, it's not the best word. Yeah. Class attribute is the best word. So why don't we just stick with that? But anyway. Yeah. Um. So. Every, every object-oriented language has this concept, and so we're going to see it again when we move on to PHP. Now, when we make regular data attributes, how do we give them an initial value? We do that in our constructor, yes? Yeah. Well, there is no constructor for the class. Oh, right. Now, some languages have something called a static initializer which behaves like a constructor for the class. Okay. And those languages I really like. And three guesses what language is not one of those. <laughs> I'm guessing it's JavaScript. 
Bing, bing, bing. So we have to bear that in the back of our head. It's not a huge problem. It's just a little subtlety we have to bear in mind because it is possible whenever we go to access a class attribute that its value is undefined because we haven't set it yet. So we just have to write our code with a few extra if statements or a little bit of extra. We just we just basically have to bear it in mind hmm. that it may not be initialized and we need to just write our code so that we can handle that eventuality without crashing. Okay. Not the end of the world, but we do have to bear it in mind. So everything up to now has been generic, not JavaScript specific. So I'm now turning the metaphorical page and everything from here on in is JavaScript only. Is that okay? Yeah. Because of this problem. And because we're now going to talk JavaScript syntax. Okay, good. So remember that everything changed with ES6. So in this mini series, I have utterly ignored the pre-ES6 world, and I am going to continue to do that. So that's our caveat. What I'm going to describe to you is modern JavaScript. When you go Googling, you may find completely different syntax that looks utterly alien to you. That's fine. That's the old way of doing things. Don't worry about it. All right. So for us, our getter, basically, to write a class data attribute, we always use getters and setters. And we mark them as belonging to the class simply by prefixing them with the keyword static. So if I want to make a getter for a property named radius, I say get space radius, open, you know, parens, etc. If I want to make that into a class attribute, I say static space get space radius. Hmm. Okay. So everything we learned last time, we just do the same thing, but we stick the word static in front of it. And if we want to make a function static, do you want to guess how we might do that? I'm guessing static in front of it. Yeah, bing, 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 that's it, in a nutshell. So the one thing I do want to mention again is that we still have this problem of how do we initialize these at these class attributes. And there's actually two choices. Uh, the first choice is that we write the class, and then we end the class with a closing curly bracket. We finish the class, and then after we've written the class, we then write on a separate line of code the initialization for the class variables. By the initi- initialization of the class variable, you mean giving it a value? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the reason, so we can do that, the example code here shows an extremely silly class called A that contains a single static property called B that does absolutely nothing even vaguely exciting. It just says static get B return this dot underscore B, static set B, this dot underscore B equals B, right? It, it is the most by the book class on the planet. And we close the class. And then an entirely separate line of code that is not inside the class statement, we say this. Uh, oh, we don't say this. We say a. That's a typo. A dot underscore b becomes equal to zero. And I hate that because if I go to share that code and if I leave that other dangling line behind, we now have unreliable code. 
So one solution to that really annoying feature is that you always write your class as one file for class, and then you stick all these weird, all these initialization statements after your class, but in the separate file, and then you can't forget it because when you share the, the you share the class with another project that you're working on, and you share the class with another person, it's in one file, so you're not likely to leave any debris behind. But it still rubs me up the wrong way. It, it still it feels wrong that I have. My entire class definition between the opening curly bracket after the class keyword all the way to the end and everything's in there, the constructor's in there, it's all in there. And then afterwards, I tack on these extra statements. It just feels wrong. So why are you teaching us the wrong way to do it? Well, because you might see it. Okay. And then you might agree with me that maybe we should go a different route, which is... So the first approach is we initialize it after, and the second approach is that we do it inside the getter, either by having a default value or by checking to see whether we've been initialized, and if we haven't, then we initialize ourselves. So a similar class A says, you know, class A static get B, and then we say if type of this dot underscore B is undefined, oh, there should be single quotes around the word undefined, I'm finding typos everywhere. Okay, I'm getting them. Just keep hollering them out. Okie dokie. If this dot, if type of this dot underscore b triple equals the string undefined, this dot underscore b becomes equal to zero. So the first time that we ever try to get b, we end up initializing it, and then we return it. And we only do that once, because the second time, it's not undefined anymore, and so that line of code never happens again. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck on something odd. I don't understand something not being initialized. I mean. Okay, it has the value undefined because we haven't given it a value yet. So? Well, we can't return it if it doesn't have a value yet. Okay. So what's our default value? If someone, like the, a property. We don't ask this question of instance variables. We don't say, have you been initialized? That's because the constructor's done it for us. Well, we had to have done it in the constructor. Yes, but we're, we haven't had an opportunity with class variables. So this is how we get around the fact that we had no opportunity. I mean, they could be global variables, couldn't they? Or no? Uh, well, then they wouldn't belong to the class. Then they'd just be standalone global variables. Okay. Okay. And the other option, which is extremely similar, is we just say, basically, return using the trinary operator, our default value or the real value. Okay. May have over, overstressed that simple point, but basically they could be undefined, so we have to write our code to take that into account. Okay, got it. Uh, the keyword this within class functions... So we learned that within instance functions, the keyword this is a synonym for the instance I belong to. Mm -hmm. Well, but in a class function, it means the class I belong to. Makes sense. Very sensible, so I shall not dwell. Um, you can access class functions from within instance functions, hmm. which can be extremely useful. I guess that makes and the sense, way you do they that, know what class they're in. Uh, exactly. So every time you make an instance of a class using the new keyword, behind your back, 
JavaScript has added an extra property to that instance that you didn't create. JavaScript created it for you, and that property has the name constructor. And that property's value is a reference to the class that built it. So this dot constructor is always a reference to the class you belong to. So within an it's instance gonna, function, you can say this dot constructor. Oh, okay. Sorry. Keep going. So this dot constructor dot some class function is how you access some class function. Okay. That's when that you're sense? in the when you're in the instance, you would write this dot constructor dot. And Precisely. That's how you bridge the gap from an instance function up to the class. Okay, because if it just said this dot function, then it would be inside it would be the instance function, but this is a class exactly because it's a constructor. Hmm. Okay. Precisely. Again, not my choice of keyword. I would have gone with something other than constructor, but it's not, I didn't it's not terrible. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. In this case, it comes, it's due to baggage. There are worse. It's a remnant of pre-ES6 JavaScript. Okay. Is why it's that word. Well, I don't hate it, so don't talk about it too much. Okay, good. Then we shall skip it. <laughs> that's right. That, that's, that is the concepts. Okay. That is all the concepts. But there's there's a lot in that. So I want to really focus on a worked example. So are you familiar with ancient Egypt? No. No. I've heard of the pyramids. You've heard of the pyramids, but you know they were built by uh, kings who went by the... Aliens, sorry, aliens. Aliens who were called Pharaoh um, and who had massive power and funny beards. And the Egyptian language was made of pictograms. And the Pharaoh's name would always be written with a collection of pictograms inside a round rectangle, which is called a cartouche. And so you'd always spot a Pharaoh's name because you'd have these pictograms in the circle around them. So me being a nerd and we have emoji, I think we should be able to write our nerd names as a collection of emoji inside a pill, which I call a nerd touche. <laughs> okay. So we are going to write a class to represent my nutty little invention. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start with a basic implementation of the idea. Full code is in the file nerdtouche1.js. And you can play along in your browser by opening the file pbs97a.html and popping up our friend the JavaScript terminal. Okay, I don't have access to that readily. It right is this in the installment resources folder in the Git repository. Right, which means I now need to go to Git, and this will take me a moment. So okay, well while you're bars. taking that moment, I will do a little bit of uh, caveating. Okay. So the code inside nerdtouche1.js assumes four things to be true. It assumes that the file where you include nerdtouche1.js has also included jQuery, bootstrap4, is.js, and something called grapheme splitter that I'm going to tell you all about in about 30 seconds. Okay, hang on. Uh, I've lost what... Did you tell me to try to open nerdtouche.js? Uh, well, you can look at it. That's that's the full code. Um, but to play with it, it... Oh, PBS 97A? That's the one. Just open that in a browser. Yes, and then open our friend, the JavaScript console. Okay. All right. I am now caught up to where I need to be. For those listening, you will have links at the top of this episode, but I do not have Indeed, the advantage because, of those. Well, the, the sausage is in the process of being made. Yeah. Um sorry for being stupid, but I keep losing how to actually see the web page. I'm not seeing it. I'm in, I'm seeing the construction of it, not the, 
if I uh, on it. Are you in the Finder where you've checked out the repository, or no, are I'm you? Not. I'm in GitHub on the web. So now I have to go launch. <laughs> I need to know that I need to do this stuff. Okay. That's the wrong repository. Yeah, we're still getting settled into this new fangled fancy pants way of doing things instead of me sending you a zip file up front. Yeah, and it might be that we need to go back to that because I've got to pull the okay. repository. <laughs> this is going to take a little while. Um, <laughs> okay, so somewhere on my disk now should be the files that he's talking about. As a matter of interest, which Git uh, client have you settled on? Because I know you were playing with two, the one I, I like and the one Helma likes. I really like Sorcery, the one that she likes. Okay, does it have an open in Finder option? Um, I don't know. I am driving down into... I think so. Uh, so I'm installing yeah, Because that's resources. one of my favorite features of a Git client. Yeah. It's like, I don't remember where on my hard drive I put you, but okay. you know. I am now caught up. I'm, sh I'm sure it does, but we probably shouldn't spend time on that, too. Okay. No, no. I am They're now, both cool clients. I'm now visibly looking at a basic nerd touche class in, uh, in my web browser. So I'm at... Brilliant. Excellent. So that's ready for us when we need it. 97A. Okay. 97A. So we'll, we'll make use of that momentarily. But before we do, we need to have a little diversion into the world of insanity that is Unicode. You know the way you wonderfully described how insane time zones are? You had an entire blog post that made the point perfectly. Mm -hmm. Well, emoji are at least as bizarre. So if you take into the console... The example in the show notes there, the one-way street sign as a single character string, and you ask for its length, it will say one. It's like, well, that's very sensible. It's one emoji. Its length is one. Of course it is. Try the same trick with the poop emoji. Its length is two. <laughs> now try it with the face palm emoji. Its length is five. Okay. Do it. Unicode is weird. I spent, say, not insignificant amount of time trying to find a simple and easy way to tell if a string contains exactly one emoji. I failed. But what I was able to do is find an open source library that can split a string into its Unicode graphemes. A grapheme is what Unicode calls one single thing a human eye can see. So while the facepalm emoji is actually made up of five secret characters, it's visually seen as one thing. So it's one grapheme. So grapheme splitter takes a string and breaks it into the pieces that the human cares about and doesn't care what's under the hood. So for the definition of my nerd touches, anything that is one grapheme is an emoji, whether it's the letter F or an actual emoji. I don't care if it's one visible character, it'll do. So it appears you had a lot of fun with this, but I don't get what this has to do with what we're trying to learn. <laughs> you appear to have enjoyed well, we, yourself. <laughs> right, but we have to represent us something, right? Our currency was a lot of, you know, we wrote a class to represent the currency, so we're now going to write a class to represent this concept. The concept so, of graphemes? I thought we were doing... No, 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 nerd. I just need the graphemes to be able to actually validate my data. Okay, hopefully this will make sense. I'm hoping so. That's the point of a worked example, right? It shouldn't make sense at the start, but it should by the end. So a lot of the time what you use class 
functions and variables for is to act as helpers with the stuff that goes into the instances. So a nerd touche consists of three emoji. So I know I'm going to need to, when I'm doing my data validation, I'm going to need to be able to tell, is this, is this value a single emoji? So I'm going to need a function that will test whether a thing is an emoji or not. So I am going to start my class by creating a static function named isEmoji. And it's going to say, if is.notString, the test value, return false. Otherwise, we're going to return whether or not the grapheme count is exactly equal to 1. So that is a class function that tests a value to see, is it an emoji? Okay, I believe you. So I will show you it working. So we know it's a class function because it starts with the word static and then it gives the name of the function. Yes? Yes. So you can now in your console type nerdtouche.isemoji, the string, poop emoji, and you should get back true when you hit enter in your console. Okay. I thought I thought everything was going to be three in threes. There's a getter, a setter, and a and a very Okay, so that's for attributes. Oh, and this, this is, is a function? Yes, this is a class function, not a class attribute. So okay. you are right, but you're a little premature. Okay, so nerdtouche, what else am I supposed to type in here? Dot is emoji, and then we pass at the string the poop emoji. That's just I, a one character. How do I, oh, I got to go copy it off your web page, maybe? Well, you can copy it off, it's probably the quickest, or you could do command control space. And it has to be in a, in a, uh, in quotes. Correct. So it is the, the string poop emoji. Okay. And for some reason, you've got a capital letter, the title of this, this, var this variable, this function. Mm, that's the no name class, of a class. And class. There we go. Okay. What did I just do? Nerdtouche.isemoji, parentheses, quote, poop emoji to returns true. But I don't know what I did. I just ran the instance function... No, the class function is emoji to find out whether a poop emoji is has a graphene count of one. Exactly. That's okay. exactly what you did. So okay. we created why, a class function. <laughs> okay. And we used a class function. And you know it's a class function because the thing to the left of the dot is a class. Right. When we were doing instance functions, the thing to the left of the dot was an instance. Now it's a class. That's okay. the takeaway. And unsurprisingly, if we give it the horse emoji followed by the poop emoji, we get false because that is not one grapheme, that is two. And when I gave it the, the face palm, it also says true, but you said that at length of five, but the way you got rid of the five was with this grapheme splitter function library that you loaded or something? Exactly. That's the reason I had to go to all the trouble is because string length makes no sense on emoji. Because okay. I thought it would be very straightforward. I just get the length of the string and that'll tell me. Okay. New. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's that's all there is to class functions. They're just functions like any other instance. Like they're exactly the same as an instance function, but we stick the word static in front of it. That's okay. it. Oh, and we call it by saying name of class dot name of function. So that's 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 our full takeaway on class functions. Instead of so, name of instance dot name of function. Bingo. Okay. Perfect. So now let's look at our first data attribute, class data attribute. And we're going, the first one we're going to look at is a read-only attribute. 
So our getter is going to fetch a value and our setter is going to tell you to sod off. So every nerd touche is going to contain exactly three emojis. So I want a length property to be visible to the user so they can say nerdtouche.length and it will always tell them three. But if they try to say nerd2.length becomes equal to five, I want to say, uh-uh, no, it will always be three. Why are you going to so, let them set it if you're, they're never allowed to do it anything but three? Well, so we have two choices. If I don't provide a set, a setter, then they will appear to successfully set it, but the value will be ignored. And that's a silent, spooky error at a distance. And I find those objectionable. If your code doesn't do what it looks like it does, it should throw an error. Why do they need to get it? They can't change it. They don't need to use right, but it. They, well, we're going to make extensive use of it for a start, and I don't see any reason not to make it visible to the world that nerd touches are three long. Okay. We're going to make great use of it. Um, okay. We're going to use that property all the time. So the getter is just like any other getter, but it's prefixed with the word static. So static get length return three. Okay. Uh, the setter says static set length. Throw new error, nerd tutors will always be this.length emoji long. And at this point, we can say this.length. We don't have to say constructor.length or whatever it was we were supposed to right. say. Because we're in static. So that means this belongs to the class. Oh, right, right, right. It was when we're in the instance trying to use, if we were trying to use this, we would have to say constructor. Correct. Okay. So All while right. you're in, static to static, it's just plain old this. Okay, got you. Got you. Instance okay. to static, we got to take the extra jump. And by the way, when he's been saying static uh, set length, there's a, a variable L he put in there that's just whatever they tried to provide is going to be called L, and then you're going to say no. No soup yep. for you. Okay. Yep. All that's right. it exactly. All right. So we can see that in action in the console. We can say nerdtouche.length, and it will tell us it's three. And then we can say nerd2.length becomes equal to four and we'll get told to sod off. Okay. All right. Now, more likely is you're going to have read and write data attributes or class data attributes. Uh, and in this case, I'm going to have a default. So a nerd touche consists of your username online and three emoji. So your handle and a collection of emoji. So we should have a default handle, which I'm making some nerd and a default emoji, which I'm making the Interrobang emoji. Interrobang? Uh, that is the question mark exclamation point. Or the other way around. Exclamation point question yeah, mark. Yeah, basically the... Interrobang? Uh, yeah. I never heard Interrobang, of it. Interrobang, yeah. Intera is questioning and bang is exclamation. Huh. It's a, okay. Yeah. It's one of my favorite weirdo punctuation marks, Interrobang. There's a whole story to it. Even though um, it's bang and terra, but okay. Well, the true symbol actually has one dot with the two things pointing into the one dot, but the emoji is just one after the other. Okay. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so our handle consists of three parts, just like you were saying. So static space get space default handle, return this dot underscore default handle, or some nerd. So... If default handle, if the private variable underscore default handle has a value, return that value. Otherwise, return the value some nerd. So that's taking account of that weird, this may not have been initialized yet because there is no static okay. initializers in JavaScript. Yes, no? I said yes. Okay, good. Sorry, <laughs> that didn't come through. Okay. 
Um, so that's parts one and two, private variable getter. And then the setter is static set default handle h. If is dot not dot string h, throw a type error. If is dot empty h, throw a range error. If none of those things have happened, this dot underscore default handle becomes equal to h. There's another typo for you to fix. Yes, yeah, I, I even saw that doing, one. <laughs> I am not doing well today. And so h is very, the, very, very h similarly. Is person, h is what the person submitted. Correct. So if you say nerd to dot default handle becomes equal to I am cool, then H will be I am cool. And that's what will get stored in the private variable. Why is, okay. Out of curiosity, why are you calling this default handle? This isn't default handle. This is what I'm telling you to make it, not default. Ah, so this will be the default for every instance. So the inst when you're making an instance and you don't give any arguments to the constructor, what do I do? I use the default. And that default should be constant across all instances. Oh, so but it I, it's class. a default, but I get to set it as the user of the class. Correct. Okay. All right. Okay. So Got it's you. a variable that applies to all instances that you control and change. So it's not static in that sense of the word, but it is static because that's how they wrote the bloody language. Underlining your point. Okay. So the default is shared among all instances because it's a class attribute. But you can still change it. Okay. Similarly, there's a default emoji. Um, and it ha it's getter is static get default emoji return this dot underscore default emoji or this, the emoji. Static set default emoji E. If is dot not dot string E, throw a type error. If is if not this dot is emoji E, throw range error. So this dot is emoji, we're calling our um, static function again. This that is emoji is our static function we just okay. wrote. Right. Okay. This that underscore default emoji becomes equal to E. So we're saving our into our private variable. So again, in both cases, we have our three parts get set private variable, get set private variable. Okay. Okay. So that's all of the new stuff to us, right? So that is one class function and three class. Data attributes, one read-only read one, and two read-and-write ones. The class then contains some normal stuff like we learned before. So we have two plain old instance data attributes. So we have a get handle and a set handle, a get emoji, and a set emoji. And these are instances. The, We're in the instance these now. These are instances because they're missing the word static. So they're just they're, they're instances. So you're just going to have a pile of these coming into the top of the, the class. Uh, and yeah. They're, and they're not in the constructor? They're not in the constructor, but they are inside the class. So I have, in the code snippets, I've shown when you're inside the class by having class nerd touche and then dot, 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 and then the bit I'm showing you. But the instance data... Oh, these are data attributes we're looking at next. Sorry, we're not in the, mm -hmm. we're not in the constructor right now. Okay, got you. Okay. Yeah. So basically, we have two data attributes, handle and emoji. Emoji is an array of three emoji, and handle is a string. Okay. The only thing I want to draw your attention to here is that when we're storing the emoji, at, or indeed when we're storing the handle, we get the default value by using this.constructor.defaultEmoji and this dot constructor dot default handle. 
So that's yeah. an example of reaching from the instance to the class using this doc constructor. I'm not seeing it in here. Where? Uh, what's the beginning of the line? Uh, so in the hand... Oh, it's missing from the handle setter. Let's go straight to the emoji setter. In the emoji setter, we say... Uh, if not this token, sorry, say if the length, if e dot length is less than this dot constructor dot length, so we're reaching up to oh, the length property. The we're saying if we didn't get three emoji, if we got less than three, we're whining. So there's an example of this dot constructor. Um, and we also slice down to this dot constructor dot length, and we don't deal with the defaults here. I am talking nonsense. All <laughs> I'm doing here is accessing the length. That's what I meant to draw your attention to. So this.constructor.length is what I was trying to draw your attention to, and I misread my own notes. Sorry about okay, that. Okay, so hang on. Where did we define length in the constructor? I mean, in it's the static not in function. The it's the static data attribute length. But we didn't... I don't know. Uh, we didn't ever define that. We said static get length return three. Oh, we're, th we're like three examples back. Okay, there we go. Okay. All right. So that still exists. Uh, okay. Yeah. And Skip, this, this doc abstract, Bart. <laughs> but okay. All right. So this is what I'm saying. So we are in an instance variable here, right? We are in the getter. Sorry, we're in the setter for an instance. So we're going from instance to class. So we have to say this dot constructor dot instead of this dot. Okay. Because so we're going not static to static. I don't know what we're getting the length of anymore. Okay, so length, every nerd touche is three long. Okay. So we're just saying, however long I need a nerd touche to be, go fetch that from the class. Okay. We haven't ever asked him to tell us anything to put into the nerd touche yet, so I guess that's why I'm confused by what right. we're taking the length right. of. Right, that's, that's uh, five seconds in the future. Okay. Next thing I want to look at is the constructor. Okay. Um, so our constructor is obviously a function with a special name constructor. So our constructor takes two arguments, handle and emoji. Um, and we're using the triple dot notation. I'm. This is sort of a, me finding an excuse to remind us of something we looked at before. Do you remember what it means to have the last argument in a function have three dots in front of it? No, no, that's fine. That okay. absolutely fine. I just it's not. That's the reason we revisit stuff because there's a lot to remember. So what that means is you take all the rest of the arguments, whether it be one or a million, doesn't matter, or zero. All the rest of the arguments are going to get squished into one array with the name emoji. So the first the argument will get the name handle. What? Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know what we're constructing. Wait, tell it. Tell me the purpose of this constructor first. What are, What are we? So this do? is the constructor for our nerd touches. So this is how we're going to make a nerd touche, and a nerd touche has two parts: your online username, your handle, and your emoji. Okay. All right. So you wrote constructor so, parentheses handle comma dot 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 emoji, and that does what? Okay. Okay. So. We were naming our arguments, and so the first thing you pass me, I am going to call handle. That's th that's by the book, yes? Yeah, okay. And then we say comma, dot, 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 emoji. So the dot, dot, dot means take all the rest of the arguments, whatever number of them there are, take all of them, 
combine them into an array named emoji. Okay, so dot, dot, dot tells it it's going to be an array. Correct. Okay. So whatever else the user said, squish it all into one array and name that array emoji. Okay. Okay, so then we say, if they didn't pass a handle, so if is.undefinedHandle, then we say handle becomes equal to this.constructor.defaultHandle. Okay, so this is where we're down in the instance. We're saying, ah, you, you gave us a default handle at the beginning, but you haven't given us one for this uh, specific instance, so we're going to go with your default handle. Bingo. Okay. Then we're going to say, while the number of emoji you gave me is less than this.constructor.length, in other words, less than the number we want there to be, emoji.push this.constructor.defaultEmoji. So if you gave me zero emoji, this loop will happen three times. If you gave me two emoji, this loop will only happen once. But we know for a fact that when the loop is finished, there will be three emoji in there. Okay. Do you uh, believe me? Or? Yeah, but but you only have one default emoji and you have to have three. Is it going to put that same default emoji three times? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was too lazy to make three defaults. Okay. And that would have meant four attributes, and that would have made everything longer. Okay. All right. Uh, so we now, we've now dealt with the fact that you may or may not have given me a handle and some emoji, but now that we know you have, I can say this.handle becomes equal to handle, this.emoji becomes equal to emoji. Okay. Yay, we're done. Okay. So that's all by the book. And um, this.emoji is an array. Yes. Okay. All right. So we now have our usual, uh, we want some instance functions. Not very exciting. We have as string return uh, a parenthesis followed by this.emoji.join followed by another parenthesis. So in plain text, we just say parenthesis three emoji close parenthesis. As dollar returns a jQuery object that represents the nerd touche as a span. Uh oh, sorry, I just accidentally. Whew. I think I just I just accidentally did a select all while scrolling my show notes and hit backspace. <laughs> that was a terrible idea. Uh, phew. Sorry, uh, <laughs> having made everything vanish. So we're using the standard dollar function to make a span. We're inserting into that span the emoji with br tags between them. We're setting the title to be this dot handle. We're adding a bunch of bootstrap four classes and writing the class nerd touche and we're setting some CSS properties. We're saying the font size is 0.5M and the line height is 1.5. Okay. And then we're returning our jQuery object. So we're basically saying represent this nerd touche as a jQuery object. Doesn't and we have a function have called... Be, doesn't this all have to be wrapped in the constructor? No, it all has to be inside the class. So our class defines data attributes, a constructor, and instance functions. So these are instance functions. Okay, now I'm forgetting what goes in the constructor then. I thought that... So the, the constructor is the previous code sample. Right? I'm looking at my... Okay. But you never you never put constructor around it. Oh, there you did on that one. Okay, I'm caught up. Okay. Okay, good. All right. Uh, then we have an as HTML, which just basically says, yeah, build all that jQuery and just give me the HTML for it. And then the last function is a really handy one, append to. So this is a function to allow us to quickly and easily shove 
our nerdtouche into something on the document. So we're basically saying, give me a jQuery object and I will stick the nerdtouche into the end of that jQuery object. So dollar container dot append this dot dollar as dollar. Sorry, this dot as dollar. So let's actually show you this working before I confuse you any further. <laughs> okay. Right. So at the end of the day, our constructor is the starting point for everything. So let's call the constructor with no arguments and see what we get. So const generic nerd becomes equal to new nerd touche no arguments. Then we say generic nerd dot append to out HTML, which is the div on that HTML page that says output HTML. Yeah, I've lost my place. I'm hoping you're copying and pasting more successfully than me. Okay, so uh, when do I... So I just copy all this stuff in this block in or this first uh, section? We, we can do it one line at a time if you want to see it go one line at a time. Okay. So say const generic nerd becomes equal to new nerd touche. That should just execute without giving you any errors if all goes well. Okay, there's no no handle came out. It just came with just the nerd touches or the... Yeah, the it's three. you just made the object. So you now have an object, an instance called generic nerd. So now let's take that instance and Hang actually on. put it Hang in. On. How come I don't, it should have a generic, uh, it had a default handle. Why didn't it put okay. the default handle in? It should, it, I'm almost certain it has. So I see HTML output in that little box. I see vertically three of the mm -hmm. exclamation point question marks. Okay, so hover over it. Okay, I'm getting the p hash out underscore HTML card text. Is that what you want me to read? Oh, if I no, hover over it, it says some nerd. There we go. Yeah. So the title attribute was set to the handle. So the title attribute is what you get when you hover. Okay. I thought we were So we have it. our three defaults. Or we have our four defaults, in fact. Three default emoji and our default handle. Okay. So the second call we have there is where we give it a handle, but we don't give it any emoji. So if you copy and paste that one, so const boring nerd becomes equal to new nerd tush unimaginator. I may have had a bit too much fun making that up. Um, and then we can append on, that one on. to HD. Hang on, hang on. Uh, do I need okay. to refresh my screen before I do that? Because nope. now I have two with yeah. the same, okay, but a different name if I hover over it. Yes, okay. so, exactly. Right. And then we have indecisive nerd has passed three three arguments, a name and two emoji. So when we append that one to the document, we're finally going to see something other than our interrobangs. And when you hover over it, you see he's called indecisivizer and he has a computer and a uh, emoji. Not sure what its name is. Okay. And so those last... of you over 25, you might want to do a command plus a little bit so you can see what Bart's doing. Maybe I shouldn't have EM 0 0.5 to those. Yeah, they're really small on screen. I just hit command plus like eight times. My vision's really good now. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Uh, and then finally, default nothing. Const true nerd becomes equal to new nerd to nerdificent computer joystick gamepad. Okay. I think I didn't understand what a cartouche looked like. I thought it was going to be the handle and then the three emoji horizontally across it and they're vertical and don't have the name. So that's where I was, why I was confused when it came up on screen. Okay, good. Yeah, I sort of, I don't know why I assume everyone knows 
Egyptian hieroglyphs. <laughs> I have very odd assumptions. <laughs> okay. All right, I need to keep us moving here. I've asked too many questions and we're not halfway through the notes yet. Um, we're not halfway through the notes. We're, we're completely through the important concepts. If you take nothing else in today, our mission is accomplished. Okay. So nothing we have else. successfully created a class which works, which has a mixture of class attributes, class functions, instance attributes, instance functions. They're all working together to achieve a cohesive end that makes sense. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? <laughs> Within the confines of your weird... My insane example? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's what I needed to cover today, right? That's our final... That, that was the topic for today, the concept that you can add attributes and functions to the class. The rest is a bonus to help with the homework. Okay. So we have here some instances of our Nerdtouche class and some matching HTML, some matching pieces of the DOM. And right now, there is no connection between the two. Right? You can call append to five times and make five Nertushes for the same user, and there's no way to know which object made which picture on the page, and there's no way to go from a picture on the page back to the object that made it. There is just no connection at all between those two things. Is that... Do you see what I'm saying? I think so. You're saying like I can't hover over nerdificent and know that that one's true nerd. Correct. Or even programmatically, you couldn't write a jQuery query to select just that part of the page and then programmatically get back to that object. Likewise, if you know that the object is named nerdificent or whatever I called it, you have no way of knowing which thing on the page belongs to that JavaScript variable. Okay. So there's no connection. They're, okay. they're not connected to each other. So when you're making a world clock, you obviously do need there to be a connection between those things. Because how else do you update the time in the right place? Or how, you know, the, you, you need to connect those together. And it's a really, really common problem to have that you need to create this connection. I don't understand so, why. I have a world clock and I don't do any of this getting setting static stuff. Right. But that's because what I'm about to tell you is how to do the connection, right? What we have now doesn't have a connection at all. No, but I'm saying I don't understand why it's a problem to not have that connection. I don't know what I, I'm not catching um, what I'm missing. Uh, What's well, you, but the you're saying I have a problem, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> I believe you. But. Okay, well, you, you described it to me in the last time we had a walk and talk. You described exactly the problem you were having. I have a lot of problems. And I don't know which one you mean, but okay. Well, go ahead and keep going, because I think you're trying not to reveal what I've done. So that's good. I, I, I am. And, yeah, um, that's good. I also thought I was answering an exact question you asked me two weeks ago. Um, anyway, let's see how we go. We'll see. Yeah, um, you know my memory. I can't remember what I asked you two weeks ago. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway... There are a whole bunch of different approaches for connecting the two types of object, right? So we have our instance of our class and we have our DOM object. They are two different objects, but they relate to each other and we want to connect them together. So the, okay, so everything we do from here on in is in nerd2.js and pbs97b.html. That's the first thing to say. Okie dokie. 
And there are lots of different approaches you can take to bridging this gap. So we have these two objects and we want to connect them together. Uh, and the easiest way to do that is to arrange for the HTML object, so the DOM object, to have a unique ID or a unique class. So sometimes you have a one-to-one -one mapping between an instance of your class and a thing on your web page, right? So your world clock, there is one object for every one visible thing. Is that fair to say? I don't know what you mean by object and use the word class, but I think you meant like HTML class, not JavaScript class when you said class. Yes, I did, which is why this all gets so bloody confusing. That they, so a CSS class versus a JavaScript class just okay. to really mess with everything. Yeah. So I don't know what you mean by there's one object. You mean one okay, visible so, thing? Right. So in the case of a world clock, you will have an instance of your class world clock, and that instance will map to exactly one visible thing on the page. Okay. So you don't mean object in the JavaScript sense. You mean object is something I can see. I mean it in both senses. So you will have an object in the JavaScript sense, and for that object in the JavaScript sense, there will exist a visual thingy, which is a document object model thingy. Okay. Right? So there's a visible clock and a logical clock. A conceptual clock and a visible clock, yeah? Okay. Okay. And they're all objects, and that's making all of our noodles hurt. Okay. Um, so one way to connect the two together is to store inside the JavaScript object an ID and to give that ID to the thing in the HTML page. Yes? I swear you just talked in a perfect circle. Say that again? Okay. So your JavaScript object contains an attribute named something of your choosing, like my ID or something. And the HTML has ID equals the same thing. Yeah. So that is a connection then between the JavaScript object and the visible HTML contraption. Okay. Or the DOM object. All right. And that's what we're going uh, to do. Well, I'm saying a way of achieving that connection is simply by giving a unique ID to the piece of HTML and storing that unique ID in the JavaScript object. That is a form of connection. Okay. All right. Now, in the case of nerd touches, there isn't a one-to-one -one mapping, right? I can make 50 copies of the nerd touche for Uber nerd. So I don't want to use an ID because you're only allowed to have one of those in a page. Right. So if you can't use IDs, use classes, as in the HTML concept of a class. Okay. Because you can have as many of those as you like. However, regardless of which way you go, you have yourself the problem that they have to be different, right? So if I make five world clocks, I need five IDs. If I make 500 world clocks, I need 500 IDs. Right. Is that a fair thing yeah. to say? Yeah. So how do I make them in such a way that I can guarantee they're unique? I would suggest an easy way to achieve that is to add a class variable named count that is a read-only variable. And the only thing that will ever change that variable is the constructor. So every time the constructor executes, it increments the count. Oh, oh, okay, sure. And then you store that count inside every instance. So the first time you call the constructor, the instance saves one. 
And the second time you call the constructor, the instance saves two. And the third time, you get the idea. Mm -hmm. And then you can save, then you can basically generate a unique ID by saying, you know, know, some fancy name followed by whatever my sequence number is. So the code for that is in the show notes, but we can see it in action if we open our terminal or our JavaScript console on 97B and we paste in const Bart becomes equal to new nerd touche Bartificer telescope computer camera. Because <laughs> I think that sums me up perfectly. Okay. And then we can say const Allison becomes equal to new nerd touche pod feet dog computer car. I couldn't find Tesla. But, well, but it's, it's Tesla red, computer though. Tesla. And I do have a red car, so. Yeah. It's red and Apple. I don't know if it's red if you're on Windows, because okay. I know emoji can change. But for us, it's a lovely red car. Okay. So if I then console.log bart.asHTML, you will see it has a class in there, nerd2-1. And when you console.log Allison as HTML, it has the class nerd2-2. Nothing's printing on screen, but I am seeing what you're telling me to look for in the console, right? Correct, because okay. yeah, we're console.logging this. Okay. Yeah, so somewhere in all that code up above, you said make it say nerdtoosh dash and that sequence number? Oh, there it is. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So get unique class return nerdtoosh dash this dot underscore sequence number. Okay. All right. So that using a class variable as a counter allows us to make unique IDs or unique class names. So that is a very, very useful technique that may come in very handy for world clocks. So I, I, forgive me, but I don't see where you told it to make it be the class. Oh, there it is. Add uh, class, this dot unique class, and unique class was that getter setter where the setter says you don't get to change this. Correct. Ah, okay. Correct. Correct. All right. Correct. All right. That is all the moving parts for that little piece of extra functionality. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk to you about is the fact that data attributes are magic. Um, we can actually store a reference to the JavaScript object in the DOM object using data attributes. So <laughs> wait, sorry, you stuck. I'm reading my own notes, and my brain just went, "That's not right." Okay. We're on uh, dumpster. Yeah, I, okay. Right? My my mouth said something that isn't in the show notes yet because I'm ahead of myself. That's why <laughs> the, my eyes are seeing something different. Okay. So you could you could make a proper a data attribute inside of your class that stores a jQuery object representing the piece of HTML. Is what I'm trying to say. I don't do that for the Nerdtouche class because there is no one-to-one mapping, so I can't do that. But in the case of something like a world clock, you could have a property called uh, dot underscore dom or something. That could just be a reference to the div or whatever that your clock is in. That's really hard to say in English. I'm hoping the concept is coming across. No, not at all. (laughs) I, I don't get what we're trying to do. The class can store any piece of data you want, right? Yeah. So a piece of data you could store is the jQuery object representing the piece of HTML. Store a jQuery object inside a class? Yeah. 
Okay. That a jQuery boring. object is just a variable, right? No, it can be a dictionary. It can be all kinds of things. Okay, but a dictionary is just a value you can store. Okay. Why Anyth would I, why anything would I want you can to put stick a in a jQuery object inside a class? Inside an instance. Inside an so that, said, that you you have an instance called. Oh wait a minute! Wait a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was on the other class. I was over there on HTML class. You're back to talking JavaScript class. Oh, I wish we hadn't the same word but two meanings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't I'm know like, how to. Oh, I don't know how whole, to fix that. You got to put a whole jQuery object inside the class of an HTML element. It's like okay, I believe you, Bart. But <laughs> maybe sorry. Now this... I understand the confusion. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now, what did you say again? Now that I'm caught up. Okay. So in a situation where there's an exact one-to-one -one mapping between a JavaScript class and a visible thing on the page, you could make a data attribute in the JavaScript class that stores a jQuery object representing the thing you see. Okay. That's it. There is no more. That, okay. that is an approach that is really common. So your clock could contain an attribute called my div. And that could be the jQuery object representing the div that holds the clock. Okay. It's it's a very common approach. Okay. I, I don't see how that's new news. That sounds like something that we've already done, but I must not understand. Okay. Well, it's I, I'm okay. not suggesting this is earth shattering. I'm just saying okay. it is a way of connecting those two things together. Very simple way, but effective. Okay. The last thing then you can have is you can have DOM searching functions that exist inside your class and inside your instance. So this is something I have implemented so we can see it working. So every nerd touche, every single one, has the HTML class nerd touche. Right? You've seen that in the console.logs we did a moment ago. Mm -hmm. They all have the class nerd touche. You agree? Correct. Yeah, I said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I can write. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear the. Um, okay. I can write a class function called dollar find, which just simply looks using the dollar function for anything that with dot nerd touche, and returns it. Now I've made my find function marginally more clever by saying if you if you choose to pass an argument, I will only search that bit of the of the of the document for nerd touches. So if you only want to search for nerd touches inside one paragraph, you can pass that paragraph as a jQuery object and my find function will limit itself, which is exactly the same approach that jQuery's own dollar function takes. That's that's why I, I chose to do it that way. Okay. That make, Am I making sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, your so, words are the, the, I don't follow the code, but I understand what you're saying. Okay, so where in the code are we we going a little bit astray? I don't know. Just dollar find parentheses dollar container. I don't. Okay. I don't know what dollar find is, and I think dollar container is what somebody's handing you, and you're putting a dollar in front of it because they can send you a jQuery object, which is the uh, paragraph, which Convention? is not really not a jQuery object. That's actually HTML, so I don't know why it says that. I, I don't see where you're doing any searching either in this code. And I thought okay, so search. the searching actually happens at the very, very end. All the rest of it is just making sure you didn't give me garbage. Oh, okay. Return dollar function dot nerd touche comma 
dollar container. So dollar function is doing the searching and it's looking for anything dot nerd touche. So dot means HTML class. So return anything with the HTML class nerd touche inside the container we're searching. Okay. Okay. Now I see the find. Okay. A lot of words yeah. to get to find, none of which are find except the thing with the dollar, which is the function you're defining, right? <laughs> yeah, the, most of the work here is making sure you, you the, that when we come to, to calling the dollar function, we know the ver we know dollar container has a valid value. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now I follow it. Uh, so that is static dollar find. Well, each nerd touche has a unique class, so we can also search for copies of that specific nerd douche as a instance function dollar find. So it's basically exactly the same code, but instead of saying dot nerd touche, it says dot this dot unique class in the in the dollar function. Okay. So let's make this concrete because this all sounds really abstract. So if you could do me a favor and refresh PBS 89B so it's all clean. 80, I'll do 97B if, if you don't. Or 98? 97. Oh, goodness you me. Said so 89. the show notes are wrong. I'm wrong differently. We're all wrong. Jeez. No, goodness the, me. does it say 89 in here? So, oh, it does. Look at that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Oh, I can't type count. Of, it's not just you, Alison. Okay. So we've done a refresh on the right page. Const Bart becomes equal to new Nertouche, Bart Officer Telescope Computer Camera, Const Allison becomes equal to new Nertouche, Podfeet Dog Computer Car. Okay. So I can add two copies of me and one copy of you into the output area. So Bart.append to, Allison.append to, Bart.append to. So it's me, you, me. Okay. You now have three of them visible on the page, I'm hoping. I do. So... If we call the class function from the console, you should see that that returns one jQuery object. And when you click the disclosure triangle, has three spans inside it. Uh, yes, it does. Okay. So we're you saying didn't name tell of it class. What to find. Well, the find function looks for nertushes, right? Oh, That's right, what... right, right. Okay. Okay, gotcha. I'm going to so think went... that word is find nertush. Okay. Yeah, so it's nerdtouche.dollarfind. Yeah. So we're finding all of those. Okay. And then the instance function, well, when we say allison.dollarfind, it finds one. And when we say bart.dollarfind, it finds two, because there's two of me. Okay. It does. Thereby proving that it works. Okay. Gotcha. So you've successfully provided a way of finding the pretty HTML bits that match our... Objects, our JavaScript objects. Ooh, got to be careful with all our words here. Now, finally, we come to data attributes. And I'm going to ask you, do you want to go through this or do you want to leave this as a bonus people can read for themselves? I'm not sure if, I'm, if I've done too much. Yeah, based on time, I think we might need to call it at this point. Yeah, I'm going to say this is, this is, this is cool. It's not vital, uh, but anyone who wants to, it's in the show notes, and, and it, it has lots of work. Data attributes. It is Something. data attributes. What so I'll, I'll say it in English. Okay. What we're trying, what what this achieves, and then if it sounds cool, have a look at the show notes, and if you don't care, you don't care. <laughs> okay. Like I say, everything we've been doing for the last twenty minutes is a bonus, right? The really important thing is just the concept of class functions and class data attributes. So date. 
data attributes in the HTML sense allow you to stick values into visible HTML thing. Mm. And that value can be anything, including a JavaScript object. So we can stick a nerd touche object into a data attribute on an HTML DOM object. Hmm. And I'll tell you what, we won't go through the code, but I'll go through the example and then you'll know why you might want to care. How's that? Okay, but it's got to be really quick. Remember, I've got a deadline here. It has to go. Okay, so if we can scroll down to the bit that says create three nerd touches without saving them into named variables, anonymous nerd touches, if you will. So if we copy and paste those, we make one new nerd touche bartificer and append it, and we never save it. We just append it straight into the document, and we append MacLurker, and we append PodFeed. In case you're wondering, MacLurker is computer sailboat castle. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I just say Irish castles are not piles of stone, and Dorothy will hopefully smile. Um, so we pop those in, mm-hmm. in the console. Got it. And we should now have three visible in the page. And yet we have no matching variables. We never gave them a name. So now we can use our find function to get them anyway and add a click handler to all of them at once. So the same click handler going in all three of these. And that click handler will output to the text area which one you've clicked on. And it's using the data attribute to figure out from the HTML what's going on. So after oh, you copy cool. and paste in that code, nothing will happen until you click on a nerd touche. That's cool. Now I want to go read it. <laughs> Excellent. Then I <laughs> have a cheat don't have time to talk it through it. So, Yeah. But no, now you understand why, which is the bit mm-hmm. I was failing at so miserably. Um, so we are... Almost completely finished with objects. The one thing we have to learn about next time is that objects can have a hierarchy through inheritance. And because we're short of time, I will save all of it for next time and just say it's a really cool topic and it will be fun. Well, that sounds fantastic. Well, I believe that this is the perfect case study example of programming by stealth where Bart thought it was going to be short and easy and it was long and hard. And the ones that he's really terrified are the ones where I go, oh, that makes perfect sense. Right, Bart? I have I have a 100% record of getting it wrong. <laughs> it's good to have goals. All right. Well, I'm going to cut us off here, Bart. Uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Indeed, we shall. Have fun. And uh, until next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie And press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon. You can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.